Episode 7 of the pod, the fourth episode of the week. I'm really cranking out content. Uh, This may not be a sustainable pace, but regardless, this episode will be like Christmas morning for those of you into the NBA draft. Today, I'm joined by Ben Pfeiffer, a rising junior at the University of Missouri and a very knowledgeable evaluator of the talent in this upcoming NBA draft. Ben is a great follow on Twitter and has written for a bunch of reputable blog sites in the past few years. I'll put some timestamps in the episode description because we touch on a bunch of pretty polarizing, interesting prospects. We first talk about the presumptive number one pick, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, as well as the other player in Ben's tier one that he categorizes as a franchise-changing talent, USC big man Evan Mobley. We then get into four additional prospects, Jonathan Kuminga from the G League Ignite team, the 18-year-old who some have in the top five of a draft they call a five-player draft, but Ben doesn't even have going in the lottery. We also have Scotty Barnes from Florida State, another potential top pick with incredible upside, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Josh Giddy, the 6'8 ball handler from Australia, that does not even turn 19 until October, that Ben has in his top five. And finally, Roko Prakartin. Don't know if I'm saying that last name right, but he's Croatian. Uh, but anyway, Ben has a lot of tweets about this guy, and he plays with a tenacity on both sides of the ball, especially the offensive end that you don't really see from many European guys. So that's really exciting. After we talk about those guys, we go through a mock draft exercise where Ben makes his picks for all 14 teams in the lottery. Awesome episode ahead that hopefully will make you watch highlight clips on YouTube for hours afterwards like I've been doing. But first, Chicago! Hey Ben, how you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Doing pretty well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, ben is, from what I've seen on Twitter, a draft expert. Although he says he's he's actually uh, been more invested in past drafts than this one, or at least knew more about previous drafts. Um, just to start a little bit about you, you know, before we get into these, getting your takes on various players. So, where did you grow up, and how did you get into basketball? I grew up um, and I'm from Los Angeles area. Uh, I've always been a basketball fan ever since I was a kid. I played pretty much my whole life uh, through high school. And then probably a little bit before college, I started getting into like draft scouting, uh, like the Hardwood Homies podcast with Mike Gribanov and Jackson Hoy was kind of my introduction into like the in-depth, the weeds of scouting as I assume it was for so many others. Um, so yeah, I just kept getting into it, um, working more on, you know, just watching guys trying to figure out as I go, the, the early stuff I did was not good. Um, I was not great. That's why everyone starts somewhere. Well, I, I wanted to ask about, so you, I saw from your LinkedIn that you went, that you go to Missouri and you've written on a bunch of different blogs. So like, how did you get into like those different opportunities? Honestly, like, that's a question. A lot of it was just like, 
seeing an opening and going for it. Um, and then when you had enough of like a reputation, you know, sometimes people would reach out to you or to me and, you know, ask if I wanted to, you know, write at the place or contribute somewhere, or I'd reach out and, you know, just talk, ask about contributing. I definitely pushed myself pretty hard and, you know, wrote, like I said, I did for quite a few places. Um, obviously I, we, I pod, you know, hosted prep to pro podcast for, you know, over a year, almost a year, what was it almost a year, uh, which is crazy, but um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I have done quite a bit, uh, but I'm kind of in retirement now. I'm just getting back into it. And before we get into the specifics of this year's draft, I just wanted to get your high level take on just how like the aggregate amount of talent, maybe just like both like top end talent at this draft and also like how deep the draft is in your opinion, compared to maybe last year's draft or the year before. Um, I'd say overall, this is a pretty average draft, maybe a little above average because of the, the presence of two really high-end talents to me. Um, but I think there's a pretty average drop-off, like, after the top, there are three, four, five, six, seven, like, it drops off, and then after, like, 10-ish, I think it's pretty good there. Like, that, like, 12-ish range down is definitely a little messy with a lot of really flawed guys. That's how most drafts tend to be. I think it seems deep right now, but basically every draft is tabbed as deep at this point. Um, we always have guys pull out and things happen and people just tend to over overstate the depth of drafts at this point in the cycle, at least in my experience. Um, I mean, it does seem fairly deep. Like there's some good options. I'd say it's deeper than last year, but l- l- low bar. Um, you know, the, the interesting guys last year stopped at like 40. Um, I think there's probably going to be more this year. But yeah, I think it's too early to say, but it's, it's, yeah, I call this pretty close to like an average draft, like a little above average, like not nearly as strong as like 2018, uh, not nearly as weak as last year. Um, Yeah, it's a good, it's a solid draft and it's a lot more fun than last year for sure. So let's start at the top with the person who is, I guess, so do you have Cade number one or is he just in tier one with one other guy? I have him in tier one with Mobley, but yeah, number one. I guess my question is, so Detroit's at one. Should they be thinking about this at all? Or is Cunningham just clearly the guy? I wouldn't really be thinking about it. I think, like, I certainly think there's an argument for Mobley, number one, for the right teams. Um, that's why I have them in the same tier. But, I mean, Kate is just too good. Um, I think there's, like, kind of, like, like some mainstream conception. A lot of people are like, oh, like, Mobley could be number one because Kate's kind of, eh. like, I think Mobley could be number one because he's spectacular. And, and so is Cade. But yeah, I mean, t- to me, Cade is the clear number one guy in this class. Um, the only guy in this class with like a real shot to be uh, the best player on a championship team, uh, a title winning initiator. Uh, that's kind of what you look for uh, with a number one pick. And that's what the Pistons, you know, many teams need that, but the Pistons for sure. Um, he's just so, so good in, in, in pretty much every way. He has... I mean, at least to me and a lot of other draft people, like expelled a lot of his concerns, like being a guy who seemed like, you know, seemed like he would shoot based on indicators to like, seems like a very legit, like potentially game-breaking pull-up shooter um, from all over the floor. Uh, just as, you know, been a ridiculous shot maker this year. And then just, you know, worries about his mentality, which I've kind of swung like the wrong way for a lot of people like there you'll see a lot of like takes that Cade like isn't that great of a passer which is ludicrous to me like he's like he's an amazing passer um always has been 
Um, and I think it's, you know, with, without taking into, yes, his like assistant turnover isn't great. But, like if you don't take in the context of, you know, not just his teammates and what he had this year, but like the mentality shift he had to endure. Like Cade has always been like a game manager quarterback, like pass first type. Like he, like his last year at Montverde, um, like with Scotty Barnes and and Moses Moody, like he would and Daron Sharp, he was like a like a pass first like game manager quarterback who had like seventy true shooting, like forty assist percentage, like eight points a game, um, and that's just like who Cade was. Um, and I think people were worried about him like really turning it on as a scorer, and like he showed he can do that this year. Um, yeah, like the burst isn't perfect. Like he's not the quickest in the world, but like he's huge and already strong and going to get stronger and is so crafty with his footwork. Um, and, you know, his, his handling control can improve, but the handling he flashes um, and his touch. So I'm not really worried about Cade offensively. Uh, and then defensively, I think he's going to be great too. Like huge again, uh, extremely smart. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Cade. I wanted to ask a little bit about his defense because I haven't really heard anything about it, but I assume because I haven't heard anything about it, he's not a liability there. So he's this six, eight initiator. So is it relevant to compare him to Luca where like he's, he's bringing up the ball and he's basically the, the point guard on offense, but he's guarding like twos and threes on, on defense, but you don't necessarily have to like hide him on the worst two and three. Like you kind of have to do with Luca. Is that a good way of categorizing him? Broadly, yeah. I mean, he's not as good as Luca. Like, he's mm-hmm. not as good a prospect as Luca. Maybe he thought thought he was, but he's just not. Like, and like, you know, I, I certainly think he could get like to his level to Luca's level in terms of impact. But like, not certainly something I would bet on because Luca. I mean, as good a prospect as he is, hit, has, has seemed to have hit a very high. Excuse me, has seemed to have hit a very high end outcome already. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cade. I mean, like, yeah, he initiates your offense. Um, and then I think he can, you know, very competently defend wings. Uh, he moves pretty well laterally, strong, again, flashes like really awesome team defense rotations, positional awareness, even some like defensive manipulation stuff. Um, I think like people who like call him lazy on defense, that's just like a lazy critique. Um, like he's bur- carrying a huge offensive burden. And like, I didn't even think he was that like low effort this year on defense. Like I thought his effort was pretty, pretty normal for a guy his, his role in age. Um, and then the flashes are great. Like, I don't think he's going to be like, I don't think you're really expecting like all defense from him, especially given the, the offensive load he could carry at his peak. But um, certainly a guy who has like valuable two-way impact as like a 6'8 wing defender, so for sure. Let's get into your, your I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like he's your guy, Evan Mobley. I've seen, One of my guys, for sure. Yeah, yes. I, I've One seen, of my guys. You, you seem very high on him. And you know, I've, I've seen him like he, I understand what people see in him. You know, he's this big, he can block shots, but he's also, you know, not just like confined to the paint on defense. He can, he can switch, he can guard on the perimeter if he needs to. My question is, so I'm, I'm the kind of person that just from, just from seeing these past couple of drafts, like I wouldn't want to draft a big in the top three or the top five, unless I, I knew that they, they like couldn't really be played off the floor. What is his positional fit? So let's say he goes to Houston. Like, is he so good that like you don't you don't give a shit that you have Christian Wood? It's like I'm just gonna take Mobley. Or like, if you're Cleveland, like I don't care that we have Jared Allen. I'm just gonna take Mobley. Like, what's your what's your take on that? Well, first of all, yeah. I mean, I think Evan Mobley is another franchise changing talent. Like, I think he's good enough to like, unless you have like Jokic or Cat or like Embiid or someone. I think you 
you you know you take him anyway. It doesn't matter how good your your big is. And even if you do, I think you take Mobley because I think he just is going to be like one of the, one of the appeals to me. Like even outside of his really high end outcomes, is that you know both offensively and defensively he should be ultra scalable. Um, you know, meaning he'll just fit next to kind of whoever you need him to. Um, so like like, like I, I think in Houston, like I've talked about this fit, like like I think Christian Wood and him would be really fun. Um, just because, like, I think you can do a lot of cool things with two bigs who can really play on the perimeter, um, like run, like, fun, like, four or five, like, p- invert pick and rolls um, and different screening actions. Uh, and then defensively, I mean, I think Bobley can kind of cover for whoever you want. Um, like, I think before Minnesota kind of fell, like, a lot of us were like, Mobley and Towns would, would have been, like, an incredible defensive fit because Mobley can just kind of cover for everything Towns can't do. Um, and, and Towns kind of covers his one real weakness. Um, yeah, I don't think Mobley is a guy who you really worry about positional fit. Like, he's too good to do that. And even if you are, I think he makes it work. I mean, I, I think the, the offensive concern that you'll see is, like, he can't, like, the shooting. Um, but I'm, like, very confident in him being at least a good enough shooter. Like, he's got, like, otherworldly touch, has already flashed, like, confidence in the mid-range and pull-up mid-range even shooting pull-up threes um like for bigs his age um and and size and skill level like he's you know on track to shoot i think given his volume and all the indicators um i like, like i don't think it's totally out of the question that like one day he like shoots pull-up threes at least a little bit if the team is you know willing to be creative with his development early on um or even at any point so yeah i, mean, I think he's like a really special prospect he'd be like a very solid number one pick in maybe like at least half of the drafts in like the last 10 years or something. But it's just unfortunate for him that he got stuck in one of those years where there is another guy like that. Um, is strength something you worry about with him? Like I, I honestly haven't watched that much film, but he seems, you know, he has pretty skinny legs and he just kind of seems really long, but hasn't completely grown into his body. Like, but it, it seems like the, the maybe the way that he'd be run off the court at least early in his career is if he's guarding like a Jokic and bead type and he just doesn't have the strength like he can switch onto the perimeter like even if they're playing five out I feel like he's he's fine in that in that regard but do you see strength maybe as a limitation defensively early on and maybe in the short term yeah um I think a cover one like he can improve his strength like he's no like he's not like so behind physically for guys age like if you look if you go look at like college Anthony Davis or like Giannis or like even like Gobert um or even or someone like Embiid like they were similar physically to Mobley even if like a little ahead of them it's like I I think the the issue the question is going to be like how do you build up his frame with and preserve his mobility which is going to be you know a, a challenge for whoever whoever is you know blessed enough to develop him right um I think, yeah, I mean, like, sure, like, he's not going to be able to defend, like, Embiid and Jokic in the post. But, like, first, like, one, nobody can. Like, mm-hmm. who can? There, there there really isn't anybody. Like, those guys are special enough to where it doesn't really matter. Um, and then there just aren't really enough, like, post-centric weapons in the league um, to really, really worry about that, at least. Like, not every, it's not going to be every night where you come up against, like, a Towns or an Embiid or something like that. And always going to be, like, their primary guy. But I think even in the event where that happens, I think Mobley has ways to compensate against the non elite guys. Like he's so long, his timing is incredible, um, his his quick leaping. Like you'll you'll see plays in college. Where, I mean, I mean he'll get like you know pushed back by college bigs because he's just fairly weak uh, and tall and skinny. But yeah, I mean you'll see him like get bumped off his spot and still be able to 
either like make a good contest or a block because of how long he is and how like ridiculously special his timing and his positioning and his instincts are. So, I mean, if he never improves his strength, I think it's like a long-term potential concern. And that's like the thing keeping him from being a perfect defensive prospect. But um, no, I'm not overly worried about it. I, th- I think there's like, it's it, it's definitely a concern and it shouldn't be ignored, but it's like far from a deal breaker or anything that I'm extremely concerned about. Assuming you trust your development even a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get into Kaminga next because for the longest time I was hearing this is a five-player draft and he was one of them. And now in the mocks that I'm seeing, it's like Cade, Mobley, the two Jalens, and then who knows at, at five. And I saw on your rankings, you had Kaminga like in tier three in the less good creator bets, flawed upside gambles, less good complimentary pieces, which it seems like you're lower on Kaminga than a lot of guys. I honestly only watched the first game in the G League bubble when they they played the Warriors and he had like 30-something points. And I was like, wow, this guy could go number one. But then I looked at his stats for the whole G League and his his shooting splits were not great. He's not an efficient scorer, at least at this point. So what is your take on on Kuminga and why is he not, you know, in your top five? Yeah, he's one of the guys who like, you know, showed out at the right time when everyone was watching. Um, I mean, I, I think the game was probably not as good as people, you know, perceive it as, but it was, it, it was certainly a good showing, like, no doubt. But yeah, I, I've always been like a relative Kaminga guy. Like coming in, I had him in the top three this year, um, really just hoping for him, like tentatively, you know, hoping for him to improve. Um, and he just hasn't done that. Like, on, like his development is really stagnated, um, even regressed a little bit. And obviously Ignite wasn't, you know, was a difficult situation in some ways. But, you know, in, in others, it was it, it could have been an ideal avenue for him to, um, you know, have a spotlight um, and show off what he can do. But, yeah, I'm definitely worried about Kuminga. Um, I, I, I do see him as like a very like, I mean, I mean, barely. I mean, he definitely has some creator potential, um, but he has he has to figure a lot out. Like you mentioned, the, the shooting is just really problematic. Like the, the, the splits, I don't have them in front of me, but like they're like none of them are good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was all problematic, like you said. Um, I mean, I don't think he's like a total lost cause. Like his mechanics aren't terrible. He's willing to shoot at this point. Um, he's flashed really impressive shot making, both, you know, in the past, especially for a guy his age and size. So far from a lost cause, uh, especially as a shooter, but probably not as good as you're going to need him to be given the rest of his limitations. I mean, he has his like power guard thing, um, you know, where he can be really overwhelming at times with his quickness and his strength um, and you know, just getting to the rim and making it look so easy, um, you know, quick one, two or a step by guy and just blow to the rim. Um, but like that just didn't happen often enough. I think um, our, our friend PD, um, his, who is the, the engineer, uh, I believe of an idea called the heuristic, which is like for ha- highlight scouting. Um, and what, one of the components of, you know, using highlights to scout the scout guys is just looking at like how easy the baskets are um, and how often guys, you know, create their create advantages in the half court. And even if you go to like Kaminga's highlight tape, like his like 13 minute highlight tape, he only has like nine or 10 unassisted rim makes, which is not that great for a guy with his reputation as like a big time creator. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was definitely troubling to me. Um, and then like his, his feel is just really behind. Um, I think people like definitely saw that first game and got the idea like, oh, he can pass like, wow. Um, but I think a lot of, a lot of the stuff is transition, like two on three stuff. 
And then even a lot of his good passes, which he definitely has some, like he's reading a split second or two late, which in the NBA, when the, the athletes get better and longer and the defenses get smarter and tighter, that one, two seconds matters a lot. So, yeah, I just worry about, like, what is he if he's not a big-time on-ball creator? Because I'm skeptical about it at this point. I mean, I don't think it's – I think it's, like, at his very top end maybe. But, like, he has – like, the shot has to get a lot better. The decision-making has to get a lot better. Um, even the slashing, like, he has he, – like, he had games where he would, like, you know, get posted up by, like – like post up on like small guards and not be able to front them or move them. Um, like if you're familiar, like there was the Memphis hustle game, he was like getting out muscled by Tyrell Terry, um, who is an extremely weak person um, and, and small person, which is not good. Um, so like he, there's just a lot, a lot to go for him. Like it was rough this season. And then, then like defensively, um, like it was just a mess all around. Like definitely, you know, I, I think, um, a decent ceiling there with his just natural size, um, some lateral mobility, and then you know some flashes of team defense, like some really good rim protection stuff. Like, I think p- people will remember him like in EYBL, he, like put up fifty points or uh, like forty or fifty points, and like played really good defense against Cade in an EYBL game, and which is, has kind of like like carried his reputation all the way through. Which yes, was a ridiculously impressive performance for someone his age, um, but it's not enough for me to kind of be worth his rep. Um, I'm definitely interested to see where his development goes because I think there is there is definitely something there, and maybe if you can you know rein in his decision making in a smaller role, get him to shoot a little better. There's like a pretty interesting kind of three and D wing type in there as like a median outcome. Um, yeah, to me, I mean, he just isn't good enough. Um, to really crack like he isn't a good enough creator bet or, or do enough as an ancillary player to really crack the top top for sure the top five like that that top group of guys especially when there are a lot of just more interesting bets to me so this could be a vast generalization but would you say you know kind of a a low-end outcome for him is almost like a kevin knox type like he he like goes to a bad team and they they allow him to just do, do whatever he wants and the efficiency is just not where it needs to be and then the team gets better after a few years he just doesn't show enough flashes and he just kind of gets left behind do you think that's inappropriate to compare him to Knox or like could you see that that being like a low end outcome for him in terms of being a guy who's like out of the league sooner than people expect you mean yeah just just the efficiency yeah. never gets there and like yeah, year see that. year 3 he's just like riding the bench I mean, he's definitely more like physically overwhelming than Knox and probably mm-hmm. is a better prospect. But like, I definitely could see him, you know, taking a while. Like, like even like being like a second contract guy, like mm-hmm. someone who maybe like takes into that second contract to really contribute, which is fine. And, like a lot of players are like that. And a lot of players, you know, are, are very good on that second contract. But I don't think that's the expectation for Kaminga, certainly. Like, mm-hmm. at least not by the mainstream. But yeah, I, I definitely think he, he, he could totally be a guy who like, just is not able to stick, especially in like a playoff rotation early in his career. Getting to Scotty Barnes now, who I think is really interesting because, you know, he's, I saw, I think this was in John Hollinger's piece last week. Like he's kind of, according to the consensus, like a better prospect than Pat Williams, who went number four last year. And so I guess that speaks to like maybe how this draft is, is better than last year's draft. But, you know, he came off the bench at, Florida state. He didn't shoot well from three, but he kind of has everything else going for him. He's six, nine. He can defend well. He can switch. So 
where do you see Scotty Barnes going in this draft? I mean, I can see him going as high as like five, honestly. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm not as big on Scotty Barnes as maybe consensus is. I mean, I certainly like him. Like, I think he's a lottery talent. Like, um, he's someone I wouldn't have an issue with taking in the top 10 if the team is right and the fit is right. I do think that fit matters, though. Um, especially offense. I mean, defense, he's great. Like, he's, like you said, hype. Like, I think, like, his role at Florida State was so weird this year. Um, like, he was, like, asked to, like, constantly guard the perimeter, like, switch, just had generally weird assignments, wasn't able to do, like, be, like, as rotationally great, like, on, on defense and, and, like, as a big in high school and in EYPL, he was amazing, like, rotationally um, with his length. He's not the greatest vertical athlete in the world, was definitely, like, a bit of an issue, I think, for his long-term defense ceiling, especially as a rim protector, but, like, his instincts are awesome. Like, he's so smart. Um, and then, like, I don't know if he's like a one through five switch guy. Like nobody really is. Um, but he certainly has positional versatility. Like I don't really want him guarding the five, but I think like two through four, like in, in cases, like he definitely can do definitely threes and fours. And yeah, the, the mobility and the length is really real. Um, so I mean, he's a very good defensive prospect. I don't think he's like the best defensive prospect or anything in the class, or, like top two, but like, he's, he, he's great. Like he's a great defender, no, no doubt. Offensively, I am, am quite concerned. Um, I just don't know how he scores. Like he's a great passer. Um, and he, I mean, he showed that it, you know, he's showed that in basically every role he's played. And that's the thing I think is really interesting about Scotty's development. He's basically done everything um, in terms of like role wise. Like he was like a short role, like not like n- not not comparing the player, but like a Draymond Green type role with Montverde. Um, short role for like playmaking, playmaking four like that. Uh, he like wasn't he was his like team's initiator, best player, primary offensive engine at UIBL. And then this year he was like a backup point guard type, um, who played some big as well, which I think is gonna be interesting for development. But I think we've you know we've seen enough that he isn't like an initiator. Um, his handle isn't great. Like he's not quick. I think some people have like compared his athleticism to Kawhi and Giannis, which is like absolutely insane to me. Like he can't jump and he's not quick. Like he can't get by guys. His balance isn't amazing. Uh, he's strong, but not crazy strong. Um, so I like just don't see any of that. Like I don't believe in his self-creation really at all. Um, but like that, that's fine. Like he doesn't need to be a self-creator to have a lot of value. Um, I think you really want to put him in a situation where he has creators around him. Like the easiest way to conceptualize this is as like a short role playmaker, like a like like a Draymond. Like he, he's not Draymond Green comparing him, comparing anyone to Draymond is you know a fool's exercise. But you know like a, a team with a really good pull up shooter who can bend the floor, um, create four on threes, and then Scotty can take advantage of those four on threes with his you know genius passing for his size. Like he truly is one of the better six foot nine passers in the world. Like that's super valuable, and his just feel and decision making, especially you know in the playoffs, I think having strong decision makers is so important. I think Scotty has enough perimeter skill, and I think he could get to a point where he's a fine enough catch and shoot player because basically everybody can to where you can be viable, maybe attacking closeouts. Um, yeah, I think it's like a fourth or fifth offensive player. Like that's kind of what I see him as. Not like this guy you can initiate or create on the wing. I'd be pretty surprised if he was that, which is kind of where my disconnect probably lands. But like a really strong defender, I think he has tail end all league defense upside. Like I'm not, I'm not like, I wouldn't be like super like betting on that, but I definitely think it's, it's, it's in his realistic range of outcomes. But yeah, I mean, I like Scotty Barnes a lot. Like he's a great prospect. Definitely. I just think more flawed than he gets credit for. Um, 
and definitely more context dependent, but he's very good. So because I'm so intrigued by him, I want to put him on a hypothetical team and, and get your take on it. So let's just say hypothetically, Toronto talks themselves into him at four. How do you see, I mean, it, like an Ananobi Barnes Siakam front court, it seems awesome to me just with the switching potential and the athleticism, but like, can his like if if he I guess you would consider him the five or you consider Siakam the five, but like how would you see those three in the front court um, working together? I mean that sounds like a pretty ridiculous defensive trio, um, <laughs> yeah. like no doubt. I, I think you just want someone with more rim protection. I think it'd be you know as we've seen in the playoffs this year, like with like 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 in your smaller lineups, like you need a guy who can protect the rim. Like I think Scotty can do it some. Like maybe I, I think like Siakam can do it some, but. Against high level defenses, like uh, high level offenses, rather, I'm not super convinced that works long term. And then, like, offensively, like, like, like in a vacuum, might be concerned about the fit. Mm-hmm. Like, theoretically, he makes sense with Lowry, who's obviously not going to be there long term. Um, but if there's anyone's development you trust, it's Toronto's. Um, I also think, think there's better, pro- there'd be like be better prospects at four. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think defensively, that sounds extremely fun and, and good. Um, you know, at least like, switching versatility really smart defenders i, I mean og like should have made all defense this year like siakam is great like we'll do a mock draft later so we'll kind of get into conversations like this a little bit but toronto is a team that i could really see like trading with oklahoma city at six and toronto getting additional assets and still maybe getting the guy that they want unless they're sold on Suggs. but that that was just an example of like toronto trades back to six gets more assets and then could also could still take a player that could really fit well there but it it seems a little more complicated than just putting these three you know front court monsters together and and seeing what happens wanted to move to josh giddy now who i've seen pretty consensus that like he's going to be a lottery pick but in the limited film that i've watched i just struggle with seeing how his limited athleticism transfers over as like a guard and i think it's super easy to be like oh he'll be joe ingles because of I mean, the nationality, but also, you know, he's kind of slow, but he seems crafty. So what is your take on Giddy and like, what's a potential NBA situation that you could see working well for him? I mean, I love Josh Giddy. I have him in the top four. Like, I think wow. he's that good. Um, like he has definitely flawed. Um, I mean, he's like a flawed prospect. Like, like you said, like his, his like run jump athleticism at this point is not great. No doubt. Um, he has his issues as a scorer. Uh, as a defender, but I think the the ceiling is just too enticing to pass on for him. Um, like you said, I mean six eight, like an incredible passer. Like as everyone knows, with Giddy, just you know, able to manipulate the defense, make high level reads, use his height as a passer. Like it's it's great. But then, like I, I do think there's definitely a ceiling as a scorer. Um, the main issue is like his handles is not great. Um, and I think he's a little stiff athletically, so I'm not sure how good it can get. But also, like, I don't know if it needs to do. Like, he flashes, like, one move and go. Um, I think the real enticing thing is him, you know, becoming, like, a really great, like, big strength guy. Like, he's already added, like, 15, 20 pounds of muscle this season over the NBL. Um, very much like Lamella, supposedly, like, the first time he's ever actually lifted weights. Um, that's what you hear. And you can definitely see it if you just look at pictures of him from even, like, a year ago. He looks a lot bigger. And I think he flashed, um, you know, being able to use his size and strength to overwhelm even as an 18 year old in the NBL, like using like off arm push offs into floaters or just like, you know, using a spin move with his strength to really overwhelm a smaller player. I could totally imagine him putting on like 
15, 20 more pounds of muscle and being a legitimate like wing score with his strength. Um, I think he's going to shoot as well. Like his three point attempt rate and touch is great. And he's, you know, his, his shooting has improved over the end of the year. Uh, he's, you know, look, he looks decently comfortable as a pull-up shooter at that age. Um, and just guys at that age and size who, who shoot pull-ups at all tend to be pretty good at shooting. So I think Giddy, um, yeah, like the downside is definitely there. Like he's just not, you know, he's not athletic enough traditionally. Um, he can't beat guys. And that, that's definitely an issue for him right now. He struggles to win one-on-ones at times for sure against MBL defenders. But I think there's so many ways for him to, like, like so many avenues for his development. Like, like, like I said, he could get really strong and be just like an overwhelming strength guy who draws a lot of fouls and can really get to the rim that way. Um, his handle improves to where, you know, handle and craft improves. So he's able to use that size. Um, and maybe he gets a little more flexible um, and he can generate more leverage on his drives. Or maybe he becomes a really good shooter. I think, and even that, I think like the downside is like not as big as people assume. Like I, I, one of the things I, I like to harp on is like boomer bust prospects are like not as common as people tend to think. Like guys with high ceilings have higher floors than they credit for. Like Lamelo is an example. Like that tab was the guy who like, oh, he could be a superstar or he could be like out of the league. But I mean, I think it would have been like, like, there's no way a guy like that tall and smart and, and, and amazing at passing and dribbling is going to be out of the league. And though Giddy is like probably not as good a prospect as LaMelo, um, like, like you can see the broad similarities. Like, it's hard for me to envision a guy that tall and smart and, you know, just good at basketball at this age, being out of the league totally or not being able to contribute as like a linking player at some point. So, yeah, I mean, the concerns are real with Giddy. Like, and also, I believe he's the youngest player in the draft, too which definitely matters considering he's like a triple double machine in the NBL, which like, obviously like is a point that lacks nuance, but it's, I think an important one to consider broadly. So. Paint me a picture of the high end outcome for Giddy. Like if he really hits, what is he on an NBA team? I think he can be like a genuine creator. I don't know if he can be your number one offensive guy. Cause that's just such a high bar to clear. But I do think he can be a real number two. Like, first of all, like the the the, the playmaking, I think, is unlocked even more. I think the strength is his most real most realistic outcome. Um, you know, he, he gets really strong, you know, because he is he is like six eight or six nine at this point. Long, has awesome touch, finishing craft. Um, the footwork is even great, is is pretty good at this point. So he's able to really overwhelm with his strength offensively. Like, not like that this is not like a player comparison, but like think about like how Jimmy Butler wins a lot, um, you know, with like quick, quick rip throughs, um, you know, pop, hop, step gathers, lots of foul drawing mid range, like mid range pull-ups, they're, like they're, they're very different players and like will always be in different prospects, but like broad, broadly similar in terms of winning with strength. And then I think the shooting is probably not like, I think he's a good catch and shooter, like someone who can definitely shoot like pull-ups with solid efficiency, solid volume, nothing crazy. Um, and then, you know, the playmaking off of off the ball as well, because he's, he's already a great cutter, a great off ball player, like in Adelaide system, which is like a really good offensive system for him. Lots of like Iverson cuts and zippers um, and, you know, second side pick and rolls and, and motion things. Um, and then I think defensively, he ends up being good enough, solid, because, um, yeah, he's a, definitely an issue right now, um, but he's super young in a pro league, like, I don't expect Josh Giddy to be a good defender. I think that's kind of an unreasonable expectation at this point. Um, I mean, I think he could get to salt, like gets a good enough because he's gonna. I think in this in this you know hypothetical outcome, he's big and strong, um, and is extremely smart. And so I think he develops solid enough instincts. So I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. You know, it it, it it obviously will depend on the team he's on, depend on his role. 
I think, you know, his size can um, open the door for the, maybe the team's primary creator to be a smaller guy, like, you know, someone like Trey Young or Damian Lillard or Steph. Um, not those players specifically, but just somewhat of that ilk in terms of like small primary engines. Because you have Giddy as a bigger dude who can, you know, also create offense. Last guy I wanted to ask you about is, don't want to butcher the name, but Roko, and I'll let you say the last name. That I've seen you, yes, I've, I've seen you tweet about him a lot. Um, who is he? I mean, I, literally all I know is I looked him up and he looked like Samanich. And I think, are, are they both from Croatia? Yeah, Rocco is Croatian. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be, you know, to ask a stereotypical question, but like, you know, does he have the European mentality of like, really like, does he really want this? I, I don't know if, if, if you know the answer to that, but you know, you can kind of tell the, these, it seems like one of the things that is the differentiator between whether European is Andrea Bargnani or whether it's like Goran Dragic is really that mentality and that feistiness. So I'd, I'd love to hear in addition to kind of just your take on him, what you see it from, from that perspective? Well, I think mentality is honestly one of Rocco's strongest points. Like he, his, I mean, I love his mentality. Like he, he like he's wired. Like, like, like I wish like Evan Mobley or like guys like Franz Wagner were wired like Rocco. Like he wants to dunk on everybody. Like, wow. He like, like I mean, just go like, pull up his highlights and you'll see posters galore. Like if you like watch enough of his games, you'll, you'll see plenty of like ridiculously audacious missed posters as well. Like why on earth did you try that? I think like the first, the first things I can really remember of Rocco, um, like in the U16 uh, FIBA, like F- like FIBA finals, he like postered Usman Garuba, like another top, um, top international prospect in this generation. Um, so like he, like he's wired like he's like wired like to punch you in the mouth like he wants to kill people um which i think is like here that's like yeah. that's like the concern you mentioned um with like like a guy like like, like dragon bender mm-hmm. um but like no like like rocco like wants w- wants to destroy people um and i think i mean he, he can't always because like you know he's just not that guy uh, at times but i think like like he like he does that really well and balances it with both really smart play as well Cause he's like a really good, I, I mean, I mean, he's a really solid passer for a guy who's six foot nine, um, you know, not as, you know, amazing in the high end as a guy like Scotty Barnes or someone like that or Cade, but like has some really good moments of like off all passing, like post skips, short roll stuff, driving kicks, even some lay downs off of closeouts and stuff. I just think as like a versatile, like combo forward, Rocco really offers you a lot. Um, like I said, like the, the, the athleticism is awesome. Like he is a, a monster run jump athlete like attacking closeouts like he will dunk on you and finish with his vertical athleticism and some solid craft the passing is really nice like i think he's better at big man stuff than like most of the big men in this class like he's a really good screener he's a great like quick decision maker um he's he's he boxes out he's an aggressive rebounder um despite not being huge he's super physical um in pretty much all facets of the game the swing skill for him is definitely going to be a shooting um, which is not great at this point, no doubt. Um, I definitely think he can get to the point where he's catching shooting though, which is all he really needs to be a guy who can attack closeouts. And defensively, like again, not someone with maybe as high of a ceiling as like Scotty Barnes, but someone who's really mobile, um, you know, has great hips, can move laterally, uh, very, very, you know, very good positioning, great instincts. Um, just like another one of the youngest players in the draft. Like I think he's like, he, he's about the same age as Giddy and is doing really good stuff. And like to me was legitimately impactful in a pretty good pro league in the, the Adriatic um, ABA. So yeah, I like Rocco a lot. Just like a versatile combo for it with definitely some maybe higher end outcomes with the, his athletic tools in his age. 
Um, and, you know, again, like the mentality, because like if he can really like develop those scoring tools, like he's the guy who's going to utilize them. Like someone who is like, you know, who is not going to be shy uh, about, you know, taking over when he can. But also like, you know, we've seen him play in a smaller role, like as like a nominal big or a guy who even like runs some secondary pick and rolls or perimeter actions. Cause that's, that's something he did at in the Adriatic, which again is impressive for a guy his age. So yeah, Rocco is someone I, I really like. Um, seems to like, seems like he's going to go pretty late. I think like I would take him in the lottery for sure. Um, wow. But I mean, he's, he's very good. And like to assuage like the mentality concerns, like that's one of his, like his greatest strengths to me. Like he, just like just the way he's wired um like, like i mean to me like it's cliche but, like he's wired like a pro like, like he's wired like someone you can really play so well i just learned a lot about this draft in the last half hour a lot more than i knew previously so thank you for that uh i wanted to get into this segment where you're gonna draft the first 14 players and just just for the listeners out there to know no trades are going to be made and this is what ben would do as each individual team not necessarily a prediction of what this team is going to do so i'll 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 let you do most of the time should i operate under like any like realism so like should i like like because like i would take someone like Jaden springer in like the top five but like that's something that's never going to happen so like should i take Jaden springer in the top five like make it make it mostly your opinion but if there's someone that that is mocked like late first round early second round that you're taking five or six maybe that's a little too unrealistic but i don't i don't want it to be you just conforming to what you're seeing like like you know like this yeah this is a lot about like getting getting your take so all I'll, so I'll, I'll save Springer for like for like eight, nine, ten. Sure, sure, sure. Gotcha. So I'll I'll just announce the team and you say gotcha. who the pick is and why the team is making that pick, and I'll maybe ask a few follow-up questions. Sure. But all right. I haven't thought I haven't thought about this. This would be fun. All right. Put, Detroit put Pistons here. at number one. Uh Cade. We talked about this one already. Like mm-hmm. franchise changing initiator. And I have a feeling who's going to, but yep. Houston is on the clock. Evan Mobley going number two, um, for sure. Just like, again, like franchise changing defensive big man, you know, put real self-creation potential on offense, like scalable, use everything you want. Like we already talked about him. So Cleveland at three. Oh man, this, this is a tough one. Cause I think Jalen green is pretty clearly the third best prospect in this class. Um, but obviously you have Garland and Sexton there. Um, I'm not really a big Sexton guy. Um, I had been in Garland, a Garland skeptic, but it seemed like he made good strides this year. I think I'm still going to take Jalen Green, though. Um, like, he's he's that good to me, like, quickly. Like, I like I've had always been a Jalen Green skeptic. Like, his development curve, which is something I value a ton, is striking. Like, he's gotten so much better over the last, like, couple of years. Um, he's legit score. Like, the burst is incredible. The slashing, the shot making, the craft is improving. The, the, the decision making and the passing improving, like, I think he has offensive star ceiling and he's not a guy like I, I, he's got certainly more of a ceiling than I think Sexton or Garland Sexton, especially. So, uh, you know, not like my favorite fit in the world, but at this point he's someone I'm going to be happy taking there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, the Cavs have already shown that they're at least, you know, in 2019, they were still in taking who they thought was the best player available mentality. So I, I don't think you should think too much about the fit. Um, Toronto at four. Um, well, I, we talked about him as a lottery pick, so I'm going to kind of cheat and I, I'm going to give them Josh Giddy. Um, awesome. I mentioned him in my top four. Like, I think 
if if like I mentioned, if there's anywhere I want developing his strength and his creative potential, like it's Toronto. They have the infrastructure to, you know, insulate him defensively. I think they'll give him as much as he can handle offensively early as well. Um, it just makes a lot of sense to me to, to put him that high. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen Suggs mocked there a lot and Giddy, you know, obviously a different player, but also like it's still like kind of the guy that you're presumably going to have alongside Van Vliet. So I, I don't I don't think it's that much of a reach. And I honestly feel I, I can imagine Toronto as one of the teams that will just be like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. We're taking Giddy at four. Orlando at number five. Ah, this is this is another tough situation. Um there's a guy, uh, they also have eight. So I'm thinking, it's so like, a, I know who I'm going to give them eight. Okay. Um, so okay. I'm thinking maybe, about. Yeah. Maybe yeah. give them like the player that you're super high on at, at eight. And then at yeah. five, take, so, you know, I'm more. I'm trying to think who, who kind of helps here. Um, so I think, yeah, I'll just give them Jalen Suggs. Um, I'm not as high on Jalen Suggs. Like I still have him in the top five or six. Um, I'm less sure of him as a creator than a lot of other people which is kind of, I think, right. My disguise. And I think he's a little overrated on the defense, but like the shooting seems very legit. The passing is very good. Like he's, his burst is great. If you can harness that, some of the team defense flashes are awesome. And like, I think Orlando just needs more guys who can generate offense, who can pass. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll give them Jalen Suggs there. Oklahoma city at six is an interesting one because, you know, in a total rebuild, it, you can draft any position you want. So who do you have them taking at six? Ah, this is interesting. This is definitely interesting. I'm going to give them, hmm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with the guy on my board realistically, who I think is the highest ceiling. So, and I'm going to give them Keon Johnson. Um, Tennessee. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this is what I would love to do. Like, I think it's better prospects, but I think just for OKC, um, like Keon is just a guy who makes a lot of sense. Um, with like really high end outcomes because he's just that special of an athlete. And I think he like he's an underrated shot maker too. Like the shot making upside, I think is real as well. He was really good this year as like a mid range shot maker, which has historically been an indicator of you know, extending that to pull ups, to pull up threes. Um, you know, and then his development curve is another guy who I think um, you know he's just he's just a good development curve example as well. So yeah, I mean I think like OKC can do some fun things with him. Um, you know, he's a great defensive prospect as well. So I, I like the idea of Key on there. He was the guy that jumped 48 inches at, at the combine this week, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. We're, we're <laughs> unsure if that's, you know, if that's actually true, like if this thing reads, like if all that stuff is like actually true, but like, like, like on one hand, you're like that, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's fished in some way, like, you know, the standing reach cheating and like the, that number's accurate. but you're all, on the other hand, you're like, if there's anybody who could do that, it's Keon. So like, um, yeah, Keon's awesome. Like, uh, I'm I'm pretty high on him, so like I, I I like that right there. Golden State at seven, and before you make this pick, I think it's really interesting because Scotty Barnes is still on the board, and I I know you said there's no one you could compare that that should be compared to Draymond, but Scotty Barnes, you know, has a lot of similarities. So I'm interested to see whether you take him here or whether he's really gonna fall. I'm not gonna take him here. I have an idea for Scotty. I think uh, all right. I have a fun idea for, for Scotty Barnes, but I'm going to give them uh, one of the two really good wings left. The, the, the other one's going to Kings. I'll give them Moses Moody. Cause I think, I think so Moses Moody and Franz Wagner are who I'm talking about. I think they're kind of like pick your flavor. Moody more of like a stopper with some cre- more creation upside. Um, Franz more of like a team D guy with off ball upside. And yeah, I think 
for Golden State. I just want more guys with like tail end creation upside who can do stuff with the ball in their hands. But also, I mean, Moody's also an amazing off ball player. Like he's a great defender all around. Like you know, three like six seven strong seven foot plus wingspan. Like gonna be an awesome you know three and D plus wing. Um, you know, Golden State needs them. Every team needs them. So. And this question seems more relevant for Golden State than the first six teams, but is Moody a guy that can contribute right away? Or is he someone that if they're taking him, it's because they're trading him somewhere else? I think he can play right away. Um, I mean, these Montverde wings are like bred as pros. Mm-hmm. Like he, like his like footwork, you know, his footwork repertoire, like his, his, his defensive instincts, his shooting, like it, it's all going to be effective day one with, I think some, you know, underrated creation upside. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely want Moody there. Orlando picking again at eight. So for Orlando, um, I you know, big time creator is what they need. I'm gonna give them a Sharif Cooper. Um, who I'm not like the biggest Sharif guy in the world, but I think he doesn't really get like more ideal than Orlando. Like I just like desperately need someone who can really put pressure on the room, really create. And I'm kind of doubling down on, on guards here with Suggs, but I think they can definitely coexist and crater swings. You know, you can never have enough of them. It's like the same way, like, you can never swing around enough, like, you know, elite quarterback prospects, like, in the NFL draft. Like, you, you can never swing on enough real creators, I think. So, I think Sharif, I'm, like, probably a relative Sharif skeptic. Like, like I still would take him in the lottery for sure. Um, I still have him as, as, like, a backup lottery pick. I'm, like, a relative skeptic because he's just, like, so small in the shooting. And I worry about the advantage creation in the intermediate game. But at some point, like, his rim pressure and passing is so so elite um so i want to take a swing on him here for the magic i think he just makes a lot of sense fit wise sacramento at nine so this is where we're going to put franz wagner mm-hmm. um also again another like six like six nine maybe six ten wing great movement skills like one of the best defenders in this class like a really special team defender to me like he's like devin Vassell in that way like they're, they're different prospects but that ilk like where i think Many people don't realize just how good of a prospect he is. Offensively, like really great passer. Um, want him to be a better shooter, like a more confident shooter. Another one of these guys where I wish I could like zap Rocco's mentality onto him, um, at least as, as a shooter, like someone who will like catch and shoot every time, no matter how you know how good of a shooter you believe you are. Um, so yeah, Franz, I, I think the Kings just need more like ancillary wings around Fox. Yeah. And I think him and Halliburton make a lot of sense. It's a really smart pairing at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Franz here. Pelicans at 10. And I see so often, and I think it's so easy to just not really think about it and be like Kispert, but I, it, I'm really interested to see whether you have Kispert here or if, because obviously the Pelicans need shooting. You're not going to draft some guy who isn't, can't really space the floor. So I'd, I'd want to see who you take here. Um, no, I'm not going to take Kispert. Um, I mean, I, I, I like Kispert. I think Kispert's good. He's a very solid player. Um, I think, you know, I think him in the lottery is pretty fine, actually. Like, if you're the right team and you believe in your development, you really just need a guy you can, like, like with Kispert, you know, it, like, you just know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he, he is more than a shooter. Like, he, he can pass a little bit and dribble, and he is, like, very big. Um, I don't know if he plays with a ton of functional strength, but he's, you know, he's very good. But no, I'm not going to take Kispert here. Who am I gonna take here? That's a good question. I think we're gonna we're gonna start going a little less realistic, and All right. um, I I, I want to give them Springer here. Yeah, I'm just gonna do it because like maybe he's not as clean of a fit. Um, I mean I, I mean I think he's gonna shoot fine eventually. Like he's not the greatest shooter in the world, but like just so strong BPA for me. 
um, like so strong. Like I think he's the most underrated creator in the draft, like legit creation upside to me. Um, you know, the best guard defender to come out of the draft in quite a few years, uh, in my opinion, which is what the, the Pelicans also really need that. Like right. really need guys who can guard, you know, guard up a little bit as well. Uh, I think like the rim pressure with him and Zion gets really overwhelming. Um, again, another one of the youngest guys in the draft, someone who I, at, at, th- at this range, like if I were drafting, like all the GMs, I'd have a hard time passing on. Like he's the one I, I consider like as high as four. So, um, so now we get to Charlotte at 11 and just to take a step back. So I know this is your board and not, you know, the consensus board, but two guys that are usually gone by this point on most mocks are Kuminga and Davion Mitchell. So I'm interested to see if they're included in your last four picks, but Charlotte at um, 11. Well, this, this is my Scotty Barnes spot. Um, I forgot he was still on the board. Wow. Yeah. Just because I think, I think he and LaMelo make a really intriguing duo. Um, maybe Melo doesn't exactly have the scoring gravity you want to best unlock Barnes, but like those guys, like Melo can certainly, I think he's shown that he can bend a defense in his first year. And like, as he continues to improve, it's better as a shooter, as a slasher. Uh, and then just like having two like six seven six eight plus passers like of, of Lamelo and Scotty Barnes on the same floor like that's gonna be ridiculous. Um, Lamelo's you know I think gonna need defensive covers. Um, Scotty can certainly do that. It just makes a lot of sense to me. I think those guys work really well. Can work really well in concert offensively, even if it's not the cleanest fit right away. Um, as Lamelo continues to develop and the Hornets add pieces, I think Scotty just makes a lot of sense. And like at 11 like even as someone who doesn't love him as much as Kvensis, like he's very good value here so this this is my scotty barnes landing spot i think it's a really fun one so similar to the toronto question i asked and i know this isn't the group that you would start but maybe could you see a group of bridges barnes and pj washington playing together as like the three four five yeah i think so i i, I think i believe in pj a little more than big. Like, like i'm a big pj washington fan always have been um again like high-end rim protector like you want like like beggars can't be choosers really um like i think that definitely can work with pj as like a, as a nominal five um because you know pj is strong um and can really play as well so i mean i think that that's a really good defensive duo at least pj and uh, prospect duo long-term miles bridges you know improved a lot this year so yeah i mean and also i think you get really funky like with like, like running gordon hayward and lamello and having like a six eight plus lineup or six seven six eight plus lineup. Wow, like, yeah, you could do I some, didn't even think about that. Like everyone is pretty much. You could six, do some. Eight. Yeah, you, you could you could do some funky some funky stuff there. So, and obviously, it's like 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 I've talked about my issues with Scotty as a creator, but I think you could you could definitely be a guy who handles in DHOs, maybe a secondary pick and roll, so like so, so, some perimeter equity there as like a tertiary guy. But mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's really fun. I I, I actually really like the idea of that. That's not going to happen. And I hadn't really thought about this for now. But I, I really think he's like going to go earlier, but that, yeah, oh, I sure. think that'd but be like, really, that's really fun. Like, I'm, like, like, I like that idea. San Antonio at 12. And I'm just going to preface this by saying, I don't know. I maybe save your like guy that you're super, super high on for 13 or 14 because I've, well, I don't, oh, I've, I don't know. I mean, they're all gone. All, okay. Like Springer and Giddy. Like those are the okay. two. Really. So uh, yeah, I, I, I won't preface it with, with anything san antonio at 12 go ahead i don't know this is a tough one i think there's like so many different directions you can go like mm-hmm. san antonio is very not set like they have a lot of like, like like they have an interesting mix of like very good players who can push you to the playoffs now like DeRozan and Jakob purtle um so very good young talent like devin Vassell, lonnie walker derek and D- derek white's a little older um calvin johnson 
So I think you can kind of go wherever you want here with San Antonio. So I think I'm going to do like the Spursy thing and take a Euro guy. I'm just going to take Rocco Percacci in here. Um, Him and Samanich. Uh, a lot better than Samanich, I think. At least I'd hope. Um, but yeah, I, I, another you know, very different mentality-wise to Samanich too. Um, you know, a guy who can be that, you know, kind of plug up holes for them, be that versatile combo forward. Um, you know, I think again, like San Antonio, another spot that you like, you want to get young guys in for development, like mm-hmm. they've tried and true, um, for development. Um, but yeah, I talked about Rocco before, um, again, it fits in very well. Like you can probably, you can build like a really ridiculous defensive core. I think of like Rocco, Vassell, Derek White, Kelda Johnson, like Yaka Pirtle. Um, that's just, that's a really cool idea to me. And like, feel Spursy enough. Like I think it's the same thing the Spurs would do assuming like they viewed him in this range. Did you say Murray in that lineup too? Because they, I didn't even, Oh yeah. I didn't even think of it. Johnny. Yeah. They, they have a lot he of well. capable defenders. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, I didn't even yeah. think of Murray. So. Exactly. My point exactly. Like they have right. a really strong core there. So only two picks left that you're going to make uh, Indiana at 13. I am a Pacers fan for those who don't know. Um, my Pacers fandom is not as strong as maybe it once was. Um, but they, and especially because you know they're not in the playoffs here for the first time in so long. Right. But I am, I, I do cheer for them still. Um, I haven't thought too much about how I want them to pick. Um, they definitely have interesting options here. I think like you could definitely see this being like a Kispert destination. Um, but I think I'd I'd rather go like Guardy here. So I think I'm gonna go Trey Mann, who's another guy I'm super high on potentially game Florida guard like a six five potentially game breaking pull-up shooter like just like historic levels of like unassisted pull-up shot making this year like park parking lot range quick trigger like amazing amazing handler like one of the probably the best handles in the whole draft class so like the shot creation is unbelievable um and that's really what you look for like the, the issues with Trey are like his his athletic tools aren't amazing like his burst isn't great he's not strong um his finishing craft is pretty good once he can get there but like getting through might be an issue. Um, and, and the passing is just all right. So the issues with Trey Mann are like whether or not he can actually run your offense or he's the guy who just like gets his own offense. But I think you have a guy like in Sabonis who can really like be a guy who runs your offense with, with passing and, you know, DHO keeps um, and stuff like that. Um, so I think Trey Mann is like the Pacers like just don't really have like an elite pull-up shot maker. Like I think game, like pull-up shooting is is game breaking as we all know like elite pull-up shooting is like is it um so i think trey like he has a real ceiling like that like not a lot of guys in this class have um with that with with his that skill and like the 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 handle the screen setup so i think um i'm gonna go trey man here um i think he's in a tier with a lot of guys at this point like a lot of just like swings um so yeah i'll, I'll go trey man i think it's fairly interesting so and he, I'm, not, I'm not, not super sure about that one, but is he Terrence Mann's brother or is it? no? Okay. No. Well, I, I knew that Terrence Mann went to Florida state. So I was yes. like, Oh, they have the same last name. This guy went to Florida, but understandable. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I do not know. believe they're related. I, okay. I, I, I mean, maybe I, I'd be surprised. <laughs> and now we have golden state again at 14. It's the last pick. So two of Kispert, Davion Mitchell and Kaminga are not going to be drafted by you. Maybe all, all three, maybe. So, who are you taking at 14 uh, as Golden State? They've already taken Moses Moody. More likely going to be all three. Um, Davion, I don't like like that. Like, I think really? Davion's, yeah. I think Davion, um, like, he's like, 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 he's very good. 
Um, his, his like creation potential, I think, is definitely real with his burst and his handling. But like an old prospect, small guard who like prop like he took like these types of shoot like really sudden one year shooting jumps while still having like other concerning indicators like free throw percentages like tend to just like be hot streaks. So I'm not super sold on his shooting. Um, just like like really like older small guards who aren't creators, like it's hard to really invest in those guys. Uh, Kuminga is someone I consider. Kispert someone I'd consider. Oh man, this is, this is tough. I think so. I think I'm just gonna go with a fit that I've seen like a lot of people like. Um, and I'm gonna go with Zaire Williams, Stanford out of Stanford. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, six foot, six foot eight nine. I, I, wait, did you measure at six ten maybe from that combine? Like he is huge, and like one of the best shooters in the draft. A really special on-ball shooter for a guy his size. Like the the, the touch is incredible. He's an amazing shooter. Like I definitely have your skepticism because like he is so frail, like so so frail. Like the the frame is is tremendously bad. Like way way behind. Like he makes like like Evan Mobley look like LeBron. Like. <laughs> It's it's a problem. Like the functional strength is so like he gets bullied on on defense. Like he never gets the room on offense, but he has some intriguing skills. Like outside of shooting, like there's some passing flashes. His team defense instincts and some and some lateral movement and his rotations can be good. So if he can really add strength, like and like stay on an NBA floor that way, like the shooting upside is too good to pass at this point. I think he's more of an upside swing for Golden State. Like I don't really think he's contributing super early, um, but then in this range. Like, I think there aren't too many, like, aside, aside from Kispert, who I definitely can, you know, see the argument of Kispert, but we already went with Moody, who kind of fills a similar role um, earlier. I, I I could definitely see, like, you know, I, I think Kispert would be, would be a good pick here. Like, I would have no complaints to them going Kispert here. But I think, yeah, I think Zaire is like an upside swing at this point. It makes a lot of sense um, as something a little different. And again, someone who could be like really, really good if he hits as well. So, mm-hmm. so we've, we've heard your, takes or maybe why you don't have Mitchell Kispert and Kuminga in the lottery. There's three more guys I wanted to bring up that I've, I've seen go in this range or even earlier that I wanted to see if you had any takes on. So the, the Turkish guy, Sengun, who I've seen everywhere from four to 31 um, and the limited film I've seen, like, I mean, there, there's some takes like, okay, if you win Turkish league MVP at 18, like you're bound to be good in the NBA. But what I've seen, like he's really skilled, but he's really slow. Um, so do like do you have any takes on him? Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of Sangoon, um, but like I, I, I've talked to my smart friends about him, um, and I've like done him. Like I definitely would land on like the closer to thirty-one side. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he's you know very skilled offensively. Um, you know, incredible production in the Turkish league, which isn't that great of a league. Like it, like the competition level is not great. It, it's an overseas league and he won MVP at 18. That's, that's, that's impressive. But like six foot nine bigs who like aren't special offensively and like very good, but not special offensively, I don't think. And then are not going to be great defensively. Like I, again, like I could be wrong. I haven't dove in too deep, but like just from a macro level, that's not somewhere I'm going to be crazy interested. So yeah, I'll pass. I'll, I'll, I'll pass on saying good in the lottery. Like I, I, I mean, I think top five is like pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's one of those cases where like 10 years ago, he goes top five? Like if, if Ennis Cantor went, what, what he go three, 
And I'm not just saying this because they're, they're both Turkish. Like he kind of reminds me of Canner. Like he'll just get buckets on the offensive end, but you don't necessarily want him out there closing games. Like, is he a prospect that could have gone a lot higher just in a, you know, a previous era? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's like scouting has evolved a lot in the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see them, you know, a team valuing Sangoon higher. I mean, hell, I mean, you, you could, I mean, I guess I can see a team valuing Sangoon higher now, but like. And Jalen Johnson is the other guy I wanted to talk to you about. So he was, you know, he's kind of been all over the place. So correct me if I'm wrong. He was a guy that quit the Duke team first. And he yes. just kind of has, has some, um, I don't want to make generalizations, but people have said he has some character issues, whatever the hell that means for an 18 year old. Pretty sure I had character issues when I was 18, but like, I've also seen that like, you know, his, his raw ability is like, you know, he has lottery like talent, but there's just other question marks. So what do you think about him? And like, do you think there's any possibility that he like, drops out of the first round entirely it seems unlike unlikely i mean i thought about jalen johnson like at like 14 or 13 like i really do like him he's very very talented no doubt um this has like a lot of weaknesses like i think he's not as like people i think people are like oh he's got like top three upside like, i think it's kind of crazy because i just don't think he scores like that um just like six nine dudes who can pass like he can with like defensive flashes like he has there's like a role for him as like a really enticing offensive big with like some 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 rim protection capabilities. Um, like you said, like like a lot of a lot of downside on the field, like character issues. Like I don't want to like I don't have any information from that. Like I don't want to speculate on that. But like they have followed him pretty much everywhere he's gone. Um, I don't really put stock into him like you know leaving Duke. Like that's a you know I think it's a fine decision. Just like prioritize yourself, and especially in like a COVID season. But like I mean for whatever it's worth it seems like like you know you definitely you definitely want to see him kicking the off court stuff but like you know if i'm a team that really believes him and believes in him talent wise like obviously you know they'll be more privy to his you know his character and his like you know who he actually is than than any of us ever will be um but you know i mean i definitely would be okay with the team take, taking a swing on him in, in the lottery range because he is very very talented no doubt and last guy i wanted to bring up is Kai Jones, who basically all I know about him is he's a big out of Texas. And it just seems like every year Texas has this big, like Miles Turner, Jared Allen, Mo Bamba, Jackson Hayes. So who is Kai Jones? And, you know, all those guys went pretty high except for Allen. So where do you see him going? Uh, Kai Jones is, is, is a very good prospect. Another guy I'd consider on like the late lottery. Um, really, really talented. Um, very, very raw as well. I think like the movement skill with him, like te- Texas just breeds these like ridiculous movement bigs, like mm-hmm. like Jackson Hayes, like Kevin Durant of many years ago, like um, you know Miles had his movement stuff, but like Kai's like agility and flexibility and fluidity in the open floor for a big is pretty absurd. Um, and that's you know that stuff shows up on defense where he's able to cover ground offensively as a slasher, um, like legit pull up shooting flashes. Which I mean, I'm certainly not betting on him shooting like anytime soon, but like the fact that he's empowered to do that this young of an age is, is really nice. Definitely, you know, really raw big man skills like rolling, screening, um, you know, big man defense positioning like needs a lot of work. Um, but like as a guy, you know, with legit, I think who I would you know hope gets some development on like on the wing as as a perimeter guy, um, given his tools there, I think is a really interesting like his his offensive ceiling I think is very legit and could be a solid defender as well. Because you know is you know near seven footer I believe, um, you know with pretty decent like the movement skill 
um, some flashes of instincts, like the length can be overwhelming. So yeah, I'm, I'm def- definitely a fan of Ted Jones. He's quite good. So. All right. I think that about wraps it up. I, I mean, you've definitely given me the, the draft bug, even though it's four and a half weeks away, I'll probably spend, spend the <laughs> oh, rest yeah. of my day watching YouTube videos of these guys that you've talked about, especially like, you know, a guy like Sharif Cooper that I had to look up that I didn't even know that he went to Auburn. Like that's how kind of out of it I am in some regards. So yeah, you've given me a lot to think about and thank you so much for coming on. Obviously you're super knowledgeable about this stuff. And I, I look forward to seeing your, you know, takes as we get closer to this draft on july 29th sure man i appreciate it thanks for having me on